0: Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner.
1: Hello, everybody. I am Sandy Weiner. I'm the founder of LastFirstDate.com and I am the dating and relationship coach for women over 40 who want to attract and sustain a lasting, loving relationship. We have a great show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with psychotherapist and author Abby Rodman about how to thrive after a midlife divorce, how to get through it, how to thrive, Um, very high midlife divorce rate, and we're going to be talking all about that. And as a dating coach, it is my mission to help women over 40 recognize and attract a good man and learn the relationship skills that it takes to make love last. Uh, many people who get married in their 20s um, or 30s really don't understand those those key elements that are foundational to a healthy relationship. So it's become my passion post-divorce to help women make better choices um in in the latter half of your life. So most women who come to me for support are fabulous mothers. They are successful in the workforce, but they do have challenges in the dating world. And one of the mistakes that I notice over and over again is that for anybody who grew up in the 60s and had to work hard to achieve a high degree of success in their career, you might be bringing that same competitive edge to your dating life and this can totally turn off the men that you're attracted to. It puts you in the friend zone, or it makes a man question whether he should date you or hire you. I used to think that men would be more attracted to me if they knew how crazy busy I was. Crazy busy is a way of numbing yourself, as I've learned, and it's a very common mistake um, to talk about things like that. That's not what men are attracted to. Once you do understand what does not work in dating, you can easily make a few small changes in how you present yourself on dates. These types of mistakes can really sabotage your dating success. And the problem is that it's hard to see your dating behavior when you're up close and and too close to the situation. So I would love for you to find a loving relationship, and that's why I created a free report where I explain the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around to find lasting love. It's my gift to you. And so if you want your copy, all you have to do is go to LastFirstDate.com. That's LastFirstDate.com. And sign up on my homepage. I want to help you go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by Audible.com. They're a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you like. Get a free book when you sign up for your free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. That's audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now I'd like to introduce my guest. Abby Rodman is a psychotherapist, a relationship expert, author, and speaker, and she's renowned for her focus on midlife dating, marriage, and divorce. She has appeared on the Today Show, HuffPost Post Live, and is regularly sought out by print broadcast, and online media outlets for her expertise on relationship issues. She's the author of two books, Should You Marry Him? and Without This Ring, A Woman's Guide to Successfully Living Through and Beyond Midlife Divorce, and this book just hit the Amazon bestseller list and was number one. So congratulations, Abby, and welcome to the show. Thanks so
0: much, Sandy. I'm really excited to be here.
1: I'm excited to have you, and you're speaking about a topic that's near and dear to my heart as a divorced woman who divorced in my 50s. Um, and I, I've really enjoyed reading your writing, both on the Huffington Post and in your book. And um, you reveal in, in a Huffington Post article that you recently wrote um, the real reason that over half of women say they divorced in midlife. And um wasn't really a big surprise to me, but um, if you can talk about what that reason was, and um, that would be a great way to start.
0: Sure. Um I have to say that it did surprise me, because I wasn't expecting that the number one answer for why women chose to divorce in midlife was that they were emotionally or psychologically abused by their partners. Um, I thought I would hear more of, we fell out of love, or someone had an affair, Um, and those definitely did show up in in the numbers. But... But half of women said the reason they divorced in midlife was because of emotional abuse.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is when you're out there dating, um, I found two things. I found that with clients of mine, they've said the same thing. Um, there's been more emotional than, than physical or sexual abuse. Uh, Verbal abuse is is a big one, Um, and I've had a verbal abuse expert on the show. It was one of my most popular shows. I had like 100 people call in because Hmm. verbal abuse is is a huge issue for people. Um, Mm -hmm. And with men, what I've noticed with men is that they say most often that their wives had a personality disorder. Um, It's really interesting. Um, I don't know about you. Have you done any studies with men?
0: I have not, but I am planning to because I did hear from many men after I published some of my research, um, basically saying, hey, you know, we need a voice here too. Um, so I am planning to do that because I do want to hear um, from the male perspective, um, you know, how the whole divorce experience was for them um, and what their feelings were about their midlife divorces. hmm I, I, you know, my theory
1: was that um, often the men who, the men who I sp- have spoken to who have said that they experienced that personality disorder issue, um, I think that a lot of that stems from people not communicating well in a marriage, and when you become passive aggressive. Um, when you hold back on knowing how to say what you have to say, especially when you haven't been listened to for so many years, there's a lot of um, suppressed emotion. And, and this is my, my my theory, and it's this is just totally a layman's theory. Um, is that when you when you're in a relationship where people are not expressing themselves well, and then they have like outbursts of emotion, um, they get like I, I can imagine a woman, for example, experiencing a man who stonewalls on a regular basis, mm-hmm. um, walks away from a you know walks away from an argument, um, but pushes her away in in so many ways that she starts to exhibit the traits of somebody with a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. She may seem like somebody who's like crazy, but in reality, she's she's just really doesn't even know what to do in this situation. She's been pushed to her limits. What do you think?
0: I think that's an interesting point. I think that, you know, any time that we feel marginalized, ignored, um, dismissed, um, it's going to bring up our, our kind of worst selves, um, mm-hmm. And especially if it happens over time and in in such an intimate you know relationship such as marriage, um you know where we where we do feel freer to you know let it all hang out, so to speak, um I think that your point is well taken. I think that there is a a tendency for people to get enraged and frustrated um and really get into a very bad place um once, you know, treatment like that goes on and on. And sometimes we're talking years on end where people are stonewalled, um, given the silent treatment. Um that would make anybody crazy. That would make anybody mm-hmm. throw a tantrum. Um yeah. but that's very different from a personality or character <laughs> disorder.
1: Yeah, but I think that's their interpretation. That's really my theory. Um, <laughs> um and it's, it's a good so one. It's, it's,
0: <laughs>
1: okay, thank you. <laughs> um, and i you know and i speak from my own personal experience in being married to somebody who was a poor communicator um and who basically um we you know i would say that um if for most of our marriage he either retreated or raged um there wasn't much in between um and he did go for help at the end and learned how to communicate much better which helped our divorce process tremendously but um we went for help many times and um so in in your study um did people generally go seek therapy like w- what was the um what was the occasion of like how how often people actually went went for help and really worked on their marriages
0: well, I think that I mean most of the people, most of the women who responded to the study, um, said that they were um, they were unhappy for anywhere from two to five years before they decided to, um, you know, really pull the plug on the marriage. Uh, most mm-hmm. of the women were divorced in their forties. Um, I did not specifically. Um, question them about um, therapy or couples work Um, but many of them did write in about their efforts to save the marriage using couples therapy but that's a wonderful thing to do and I highly recommend it for anybody who's struggling in their marriage not just because I'm a couples therapist but because it really is important to have a witness to what is going on in the marriage um otherwise it's just the two people kind of circling around each other in a vacuum. Um but my interpretation was that most of the respondents to the survey had sought out some kind of counseling.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and I, I think most women I know do seek out counseling. Um yeah, they want to save the marriages. A lot at stake. It's not a simple thing to get divorced, as you say in your book. This is, it's not a panacea. It's not like, oh my God, my life is just going to be perfect bliss once I get divorced. Divorce is complex. It's a there's a mourning that takes place when mm-hmm. any marriage ends, whether it was good or bad. Um, you know, so. Um, I think that there are some elements missing in in how therapy is done, um, and that's a whole other conversation. But um, so in your therapy, because um, you work with couples, what what is your focus? Like, how do you, um, you know, how, what do you do that um, you think is the most successful in helping in helping couples?
0: Well, I think the only thing that couples therapists can do um, is help. People communicate because, as you said earlier, that you know a lot of or most of the issues in in marriages that are failing um come from the fact that these are two people who never learned to communicate effectively, never learned how to express themselves to each other, um never felt heard by each other, and as the years go on, these things just grind away at the core of the marriage. And so when I work with couples, what I try to focus on is relearning how to hear your partner, relearning how to communicate, how to make yourself heard, how to express yourself in a way that your spouse can understand, because we, we do have to figure out, we do have to consider our audience. So you do have to present things in a certain way, in which your spouse can hear them. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. screaming and yelling and your spouse can't tolerate screaming and yelling, that there isn't much communication going on there. You may be getting a lot of feelings out and a lot of, of um, you may, you may think you're getting your point across, but in a situation like that, you're not. So the focus is how to relearn how to communicate with each other. Because without that, there really is nothing, and there's no point um, if you can't hear each other because that's Mm -hmm. just going to keep you in the same cycle.
1: So it's really not just learning how to communicate well. It's learning how to communicate so each of you hears each other. Mm -hmm. And and because there is good communication. I mean, you know, John Gottman, who is one of the, the gurus in this field, Sure. Uh, talks about how some people repair relationships in ways that other people could never repair their relationships. So when there is some kind of conflict, if if the way that you're going to repair a conflict is by stepping away from each other for two hours and then coming together and not having to really discuss it and rehash it, and it works for you, then that's what works for you. I, I don't I couldn't be in a relationship like that, but for some people, you know, the woman goes shopping and he plays golf and it works. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I think that so much of it is, is learning learning how to connect with that person who's with you, which I think, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. Is, is really important. Yeah, that sounds like you, you do some really great work. Um, yeah, so um, what, you, you know, you, you just... Um, you published this book without this ring, and um, you did all this research. So, what made you what made you do the research? And I think, um, how did you come up with the questions? Really, that's that's interesting to me. Like, um, you know, what? How did you f- find the questions that you knew would would get to the heart of the matter?
0: Well, probably because um, I've done this work for a long time. Um, But when I went through my own midlife divorce, I, you know, really searched far and wide for uh, the book, the book that was going to help me, that was going to speak to the issues that I was facing, um, that was going to give me the support and the community I needed. And there are some, there is some good literature out there, but there really wasn't, the book I needed. And that's what spurred me to write the book. But the book was born of the research. And the questions were, you know, I, I wanted the I wanted the survey to be um something, you know, that, that someone could do within a span of five minutes, um, that didn't feel too onerous, that um, you know that that some of the questions were able to be answered in multiple choice form. So I really was trying to come up with questions that got me the information that I needed and but also made the survey palatable for people to, to take. Um so that's basically how the book came about because once I got the research and, and the results back I thought, wow, like there really is a huge audience out there for this. Um mm-hmm. and you know, that women are were eager to share their experiences and to talk about them. And, um, you know, I realized that there was a whole community of people who had divorced in midlife who really needed to find their community and find maybe a book <laughs> that would help them get yeah. through what they were going through. And that's how Without This Ring came about.
1: Yeah, I and I love that because when I was getting divorced, I found very few books that really spoke to me. And um, I remember I was working with a mediator, and he gave me the book, um, The Good Divorce. And <clears throat> I, I said, well, that's great if you can achieve a good divorce, um, <laughs> you know. And, and and I think that not enough was written about parent co-parenting with the parent who isn't cooperative, and what do you do when you can't sit down and talk about what's best for your kids instead of um, one-upping each other and, and stabbing each other in the back? I mean, the problems you have in your in your marriage often are still there in the divorce, and so very few people write about the situations that I think are more common um, with people um, who divorce, and... And I think books like the Good Divorce can make people feel really wrong or shameful hmm. about the divorce that they have hmm.
0: um, yeah yeah that is know. um that was exactly what I didn't want to do in this book. Um mm-hmm. what I wanted to do with this book was to normalize for people what they were thinking, feeling experiencing all the self doubt all the guilt all of the, you know, back and forth um, and the wringing of their hands, what they should do, what they should do next, Um, that was really the goal. The goal was to say to people, look, we're all kind of on this same trajectory and this is what it looks like and this is what it feels like and you're okay. You Mm -hmm. are okay now and you're going to be even more okay when this is over and done.
1: Yeah, and I think you've done a very good job of that, and I I also like that you are very transparent in the book from the beginning about your own experience, and as a therapist, um, there is that fine line that you walk, and you and you bring up your own therapist and how you didn't know she was going through a divorce, uh, that she had gone through a divorce and that she was happily remarried, um, and how that would have helped you at the time to know that, Um and you know, I think again, that speaks to just validating the experience and normalizing it and and being able to feel that there's somebody you can relate to um so i mean what do you think it would have changed your experience had she been open with you about about her divorce?
0: You know I think so, however, um it's not it wasn't her responsibility um mm-hmm. to to share her personal experiences with me and in fact even though i am very much out there in one way writing about divorce writing about my own experiences etc in the milieu of my therapy office, I do not talk about myself, and I do not talk Mm -hmm. about my experiences. So my clients may know that that information is out there, but they can pick and choose whether they want to, you know, read my articles or my books and learn more about me. Um, Mm -hmm. that That is up to them. But I think at the time, and in the story you're referring to from the book i was a very very young bride and very confused and very uh unsure i didn't even realize what was happening in a Mm -hmm. sense and i think if this woman who you know appeared to me to have it all together had said look i got divorced when i was young too um you're going to be okay i think that would have gone a long way um at the Mm -hmm. time but um but that didn't happen and and um that certainly was it wasn't her fault that the that the marriage continued longer than it should have, certainly.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't sense any blame at all. Um mm-hmm. in fact, you know, you do you do say that it wasn't her responsibility in the book. Um but it I think you know, twenty five years old is really young and um and we don't really understand what divorce would look like and how we would support ourselves our family and you know I, I i had a similar experience in that i knew right away that things were really not okay um but i didn't really understand what not okay really meant in terms of mm-hmm. bottom line i think that um that's that's one of the the areas of focus that i that i concentrate on with my clients is really helping them to understand what they're feeling at the beginning of a relationship and um and to really understand what part is you, you know, some old stuff that you're dealing with and what part is actually the relationship and who you're with. Um what parts can be worked on, what parts are absolutely character traits that will not change no matter what you do. And and you do write about how, you know, some people are trying to lose weight in order to please their spouse and do all these things to jump through hoops to, to make the relationship work when it really can't. Um, so, you know, how do you help people to know what those red flags are? Like, if you could name a few of the red flags, like things that people should look out for. Before they marry, is that... Yeah, is before they
0: you? marry, so they
1: yeah, so they don't
0: make the same mistakes. Well, this is a topic near and dear to my heart, um, and I do, I do talk in the book about in, in my newer book um, about taking responsibility for your part in in the demise of the marriage, because with mm-hmm. without doing that, you're just setting yourself up to make the same mistakes next time. So mm-hmm. it's very important that people um, figure out also what they brought to the marriage um, and how that was part and parcel of the divorce as well. I mean, it is not a gross experience to singularly blame your spouse for a divorce, head into another relationship, and end up with the same issues there. Um, mm-hmm. So that is You know, that is what a lot of my work is around, is around really knowing yourself, knowing what you need, knowing where your sore spots are, and, you know, trying to figure out who would be an optimal partner. Um, Certainly women who have gone through divorce um, have a lot of um, very valid complaints about their exes, but if we stay stuck in that place where we don't look at ourselves, and we just continue to blame our exes for what happened in the marriage, we're just we're just on a stationary bike as far as relationships go. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but I am going to get to the red flag. <laughs> so, okay. um, so yeah. So the red flags are. Um, obviously um control issues um is um you know is the person you're thinking about uh marrying um are they trying to control your life or change your life in in major ways um you know are you you know in in order to in order for the relationship to proceed so there's never it's never good when um, one partner says to the other, look, if you don't do this um, for this relationship, um, then we can't be together. Um, and that's never a healthy place for a relationship to start. So you have to think about, you know, everybody has to make compromises, but um, at the same time you have to really weigh what those compromises are and what's being asked of you. Um you know, very simply put, another red flag is, are you attracted to this person? Do you like having sex with them? Do you like being close to them? Do you like kissing them? If you do not like any of these things during the courtship phase, then you're really heading for trouble because these things don't get better. They get worse over time. Um, you know, I think that there's, you know, there are so many issues Um, you know, making a contract um, around the rules for your marriage. You know, what are the rules? Um, Every couple has rules. And if you know what those rules are and you identify them, then you're going to set yourself up, I think, for more success later on. Um, So there's no Mm -hmm. misunderstanding about what's expected of each partner um, and how um, they expect to be treated. So that yeah, was that was that was a long winded answer.
1: No, it's good. We could talk about this topic for about the next hour. Um <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. it's a it's such an important one. And um control issues can show up in so many different ways. And I just got off the phone with a friend who has marriage issues. She's in therapy and her husband is finally in his own therapy and really the core issues are that he expects her to show her love through sex, really through sex and and intimacy, um, and he's constantly asking for reassure, you know, reassurance that she loves him, and she wants him to show that he's a, a true partner, that he's appreciative appreciative of the things that she does and 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 that um, he seems to not really value the things that she contributes to the marriage. And so they both really are mis- missing um, really important parts, and I think that he's expecting her also to fill voids that he has in his life that he's never worked on. And so there's a neediness there that repels her. And so um, it's it's a tough situation, and to me that's there's a form of control also when you expect somebody to fill your needs mm-hmm. um, and get angry at them when they don't um, or get sulky and withdrawn um, or say, well, you're just going to leave me instead of saying, okay, what can I do to make this better? Um, that's a tough, it's very tough because she's not I, ready I to that walk. That
0: that- yeah, I think that that's another red flag. Is if you know if you're looking to someone else to what I call fill in your blanks, um, mm-hmm. then you have work to do on yourself. It sounds like yeah. this is the issue with with the gentleman you're talking about is that he has work to do on himself. You cannot look to someone else to make your life complete. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a fairy tale version of marriage, that you know you're going to meet the prince or princess charming, and they are going to now miraculously complete your life, fill in all the blanks, and now you can be satisfied and whole. And that just mm-hmm. isn't the way it works. But a lot of people get married thinking that that's going to happen, and it leads to a lot of problems.
1: Yeah, and especially when we're younger, I think, when we don't know ourselves as well. And um, if there's one thing I love about being this age, it's that if you do learn from the problems that you've had, you are so much better and you have you have much more wisdom and you're dating in a way that you probably have never dated in your life. You know, you can communicate your needs better because you know what they are. Not Not true for everybody, but if you have done the inner work, um, and mm-hmm. you meet somebody who is independent and really knows themselves as well, and likes themselves. <laughs> um, you have a really good chance at being able to have a wonderful relationship in midlife. Um, so I think you know there's there's definitely a lot of gifts in being able to be out in the dating world again after a divorce. If you if you do do the inner work.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and I think that that comes with with midlife hopefully is that um is that we get to a point where we you know we can identify you know the areas we need to work on um and we can also identify shortcomings uh in potential partners as well um mm-hmm. you know there's you know very much the thrust of without this ring is personal responsibility and, you know, initially when you're going through a divorce, people don't always want to hear that, you know, well, let's take a look at you um, mm-hmm. because it's it's too difficult and it's too painful. Um, but as I said, that there's there's no moving forward. There's no growth. And none of this will happen, no matter what your age, until you're able to um, take a look at yourself and figure out what's going on with you and what you might want to work on in your next relationship.
1: Yeah, I so agree with you. I just finished teaching a course on online dating and was talking to women about what they can do differently to take charge of the online dating you know, their their online dating experience and one woman said to me, "Well, why do I have to do all the work?" And I hear this a lot. You know, why why can't men be doing that? And I'm like, you you can <laughs> you can keep blaming men for not showing up and doing the work or you can take charge where you can. And you know hopefully you'll meet a man who does do the work and has done the work but but it's incredibly empowering when you know you can actually take charge of your life and create the experiences that you want rather than sit back and be passive and wait for men to do everything mm-hmm. um and so that's that's really where i stand on that and i i just think yeah we can we can keep saying well why why can't men you know i don't know just why do they say they they're going to call you and they don't um i don't know and who cares like <laughs> move on, stop <laughs> taking it so personally uh, anyway we're going to take a quick break um and give another shout out to my radio sponsor audible.com they have over 150,000 titles that you can choose from and listen to on any device, including whatever you are listening to Last First Date Radio on right now. And we're going to get Abby Rodman's books up on Audible as soon as possible so you can <laughs> download them too. And um, if you sign up at audibletrial.com forward slash lastfirstdate, you're going to get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. And I know so many people who subscribe. It's so fantastic to be able to just listen to books wherever you are. Um, well, some of my favorite books that are on there right now are Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. And um, have you read that, Abby?
0: No, I haven't, but I've heard wonderful things about it.
1: Yeah, she. I've also heard her speak. She's, she's wonderful in that she's brought the whole topic of um, who's really an introvert and what is an introvert um, to the table. Plus, she gives a lot of great advice on how introverts and extroverts can get along in relationships and the things they need to know about each other which brings us back to what you were talking about in the beginning about communication if you're communicating with an extrovert and you're an introvert you may take things extremely differently than they will and if you understand them uh, i have a daughter who's an extrovert and she's also got add so she's she often behaves in ways that are so foreign to me that if I looked at them only through my lens, I would be angry all the time. I would blame her and then make up stuff about why she's doing what she's doing. But when you really understand, you can be more compassionate. So, so it's a great book. I highly recommend it. Um, and um, another book that I read that is great, to uh to to help people work on relationships and discover red flags is a book by Doctor Bethany Marshall called Deal Breakers When to Work on a Relationship and When to Walk Away. Um a client of mine read that book and really appreciated it and it helped her get more clarity. So um that's a good book, The Goldfinch, which was a big book club book. Um Stephen Covey's How to Win Friends and Influence People, pretty much any book that that you want to read is is on Audible. And um, so I highly recommend that you try out Audible for your free month and your free audiobook. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash lastfirstdate. And I want to thank you for your support of our radio sponsor, Audible, and for giving yourself the gift of spoken audio entertainment. And now back to Abby Rodman, the author <laughs> of <laughs> Without This Ring. Um, is that the right what's the whole title of the book um, a, Gu- a Woman's without Guide to Successfully you, you say it
0: <laughs> it's Without This Ring A Woman's Guide to Successfully Living Through and Beyond Midlife Divorce great so um,
1: what what do you think the overall message of your book is like what do you hope your readers will take away
0: well several things one is that they be kind to themselves um through all of this no matter what stage of you know divorce they're in even if they're just thinking about it whether they've already done it um that it is a huge life event um and it is not anything that anybody can ever take lightly and so i do want I do want women um and I've also heard from men who have found the book helpful as well um to to treat themselves kindly as they go through uh, through all of this and to acknowledge and um a, and to to understand that all the feelings the good the bad the ugly they're all completely normal as you're going um through this process. And there's anger and there's bitterness and there's rage and there's misunderstanding and it will be over. That is the thing that <laughs> I really want, you know, people to to know is that they can make a choice to, you know, move beyond divorce. Um, divorce, you know, divorce, I you know, divorce is the end of your marriage. It's not the end of your life. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know it's really important that people think about moving beyond um being divorced and move beyond all of the you know tremendously difficult experiences and feelings that go along with divorce um because if we don't look at divorce as a growth experience then we're just we're just stuck and i think we all know people who have never moved on from their divorces Um, you know, people who hang on to the bitterness, um, you know, don't go on to, you know, discover a new life for themselves, you know, never repartner, you know, all of this because they have such bitterness from their divorce. And that's not what I want for people. I want people to say, okay, yes, this is awful, it was horrible, but there's something better out there for me and that's what that's the message of the book. The message of the book is hope. It's not doom and gloom. It's that yes, you're going to have to do some work, but yes, there is a better life ahead for you. Because whether mm-hmm. you wanted the divorce or not, this is where you are. This is this is what you've been dealt. So how do we deal with anything in life that um isn't what we expected or wanted? Um mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of fortitude and a lot of focus and a lot of energy, but I do want people to know that they will get there if they set their minds to it.
1: I love that message, and I like what you said about it's not the it's the end of your marriage, not the end of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's such an important message, and for so many people, they especially if they've been left, um, they feel like a victim, and I, I have. I think I've told this story on the radio before, but I I have a good friend who got divorced after decades um, being married to just a God awful man who Mm -hmm. she revealed things to me that were just like worse than I ever imagined. I mean, I knew he was a narcissist. I knew that they weren't sleeping together. I knew lots of things that were so um, unfulfilling and, and abusive in many ways. And, um, and she first of all she she became incredibly freed at the end and just she can't even believe how long she waited um but she went to a a singles event and met a guy and he seemed to be really like a pretty a pretty good guy and she, he says to her are you an ender or are you uh are are you I think he said are you an ender or are you a uh Basically he wanted to know if she if she left or she was left. And she said, well he she goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, did you initiate the divorce or or your ex-husband?" And she goes, "Well, we both wanted the divorce." And he said, "No, but who who left?" And she said, "Well, I did." And she and he goes, "Oh, forget it. I don't I don't I don't date <laughs> I don't date enders or something." And it was just like he mm-hmm. had written off any woman who ever initiated and left a divorce because he was left. Mm-hmm. And that's how a lot of people look at life. It's it's like whatever happened in the past is going to happen in the future, and so I'm going to judge everything from that lens, which is so limiting.
0: It's so limiting because people leave for all different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this wasn't the case with your friend, but what if her life had been in danger? Would he still have rejected her for leaving her marriage? Um, so it seems like a pretty narrow way to characterize people and and divorces and you know I, I think that you know I, I I always say that the ending of a marriage um, is kind of like a skewed version of musical chairs you know it's you know who's ever kind of left without the chair you know at the end but but mm-hmm. it, it really is both people who you know contribute to the ending of the marriage whether you're the person who gets the lawyer first. Or says the D word first, it, it, you know. In the end, it really doesn't matter um, because, except in very rare circumstances, and I know that they do exist, um, it really is both people um, who kind mm-hmm. of pass that baton back and forth, um, you know, until someone just says, "Okay, I'm done here," and yeah. you know. So it's it's kind of his, his this 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 gentleman's you know view of marriage and divorce is very narrow, and it's going to be very limiting for him.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so one of the things that I work with clients on is not to make assumptions, not to make judgments, not to bring your old pain to the new relationship. And um, w- one of my clients was dating somebody who she was very um, mistrusting of because of her past experiences, and he Basically came out and said to her one day, "I am not the guy who hurt you," and I thought that was so great. It was just like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a new guy, and he he didn't do what the other guys did." So, you know, don't go in thinking that whatever you experienced in the past is going to happen until until it happens. <laughs> you know, if it does mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that musical chairs analogy because I, I do think that people often put the blame on one person and and you know within any relationship it can be really really challenging but you're still part of it and how you respond to it whatever that is is part of what makes up that relationship and in fact the friend i was just talking about who um whose husband and and is in therapy with her um, she said that to me. She said, you know, I know he needs a lot of work, but I do too. Like, I'm still working on stuff. And and I love that about her, that she recognizes where she still needs to do the work, um, even though he's doing so many things that are not working in the marriage and she wishes that he would do more inner work. She still recognizes that she plays a part. And mm-hmm. that's, that's really amazing um, and will lead to... If there is a success, and if they do, if they can make this work, um, it'll have a lot to do with the fact that she is open to that.
0: Absolutely, and you know, and that goes for you know, new re- entering new relationships as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, your work isn't done when you've signed the divorce papers. That's really just the beginning because now you're in a sense you've you've now given birth. To this new life and how are you going to, how are you going to treat it? How are you going to raise it? How are you going to make it the best new life that it can be? Um, and the other thing that, you know, people need to be careful of is jumping into another relationship which they think will heal them from whatever has just happened in mm-hmm. in the marriage and and the new person will help set right all the all the all the bad things that were perpetrated in the marriage and that's a really really dangerous ex- set of expectations because no relationship is going to be perfect and if you also pile on um these requirements for another person then you're you know you're really just you're really just you know, living out or playing out your divorce in a new relationship. And that's not fair to the other person. I mean, it's not healthy for you, and it's not fair to the other person either. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to really get good. You've got to get good with your role, what you brought, your childhood wounds, all the things, all the mess that we all have, that we all bring to our relationships. You've got to get good with it. That's... Mm -hmm what has to be done before you go into that next relationship. I'm sure you do a lot of work with your clients around this, Sandy.
1: Absolutely. And um, I was supposed to work with a client starting the beginning of January who was trying to really improve the relationship she'd been in for five years. And she realized, I think like the first week of January, that there was no way that she could ever make this relationship work um he basically was never going to be the kind of guy that she needed. And, and she came to that realization. And then she came to the realization through listening to a telesummit summit that I had been in part of. Um, I'm not sure if you might have been part of that one, too. Were you recently part of a...
0: Mm-mm. No. Uh,
1: oh, no. Okay. Um, it, anyway, she realized how much damage she had and, and that she really needed to start from her inner process. And so she... And I have been speaking about how I could help her with that. And we're going to start working hopefully soon on just forget about dating for now (laughs) and Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. focus on all of that because that is so essential. And that's actually the work I love most because when you can get somebody to really love themselves, to know themselves, to know their boundaries, to know how to communicate their needs, express themselves well, it just affects every single aspect of your life. You know, from your friendships to your job to your, you know, significant others um, to come, and um, so I'm glad we're on the same page there, and I also think we might have been on the same panel on Huffington Post Live. Um, I I don't know if we were. I wanted to look this up, but I didn't have a chance that we. I spoke about Gray divorce on a Post Live segment probably about a year ago. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Were you on? That? No, no,
0: I no, I wasn't. I but I'd love to okay, hear it. So,
1: Yes, I have to. I'll find it and and um and send you a link. Um, I was just thinking maybe maybe we kind of met and didn't know it. <laughs> it would be funny. <laughs> um, we both write for Better After Fifty. Yes. And um yeah, and I was writing for HuffPost for um quite a bit of time. Um, so um you say also that divorce needs a good publicist in one of your articles on the HuffPost um, called Respinning Splitting. So. Can you explain what you meant by that?
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, there's um there's still a tendency in our culture to um to to judge divorce. Um, you know, I think I I wrote in without this ring about, you know, reading an anonymous Uh, comment online from a woman who said she's so sick of hearing about people divorcing because they're too lazy to work on their marriages and Mm. you know that you know that just that one comment you know was resonant with a lot of people i mean i think that there is somehow this um belief not not everyone buys into it, but there are enough people who buy into well, if you just work hard enough at it, if you just compromise, if you just keep your mouth shut, if you just whatever whatever, um you know that you can save your marriage, and people who hold on to that kind of belief system about divorce um, first are ridiculous, uh, but they're also mm-hmm. they also make the divorce process harder for people who have to go through it. Harder for people who um you know for whom divorce is is absolutely necessary. Um and so people are still divorcing in high numbers. And everyone knows someone who's divorced. And it's not it's not rare. It's not something that we should um look at with fear. Or anxiety, or you know, if we get too close to someone who's divorcing, well, that could happen to us too. That's not the way it works. Um, so I'm not an advocate for divorce. I always say that it is an extremely tough road um, but why do we still judge people for it why do we Why do we call divorced families broken families? Is that? Is that a good thing for a child of divorced parents to hear about his or her family? Of course not. I mean, so we have to you know we have to figure out a way to talk about divorce in our culture, not to glamorize it because it's not glamorous. There's nothing glamorous about it um, but in order for people who are divorced to you know to not carry around the guilt and shame um, that can come with divorce from external um, forces. So that's why I say that divorce needs a good publicist because it really needs a facelift. It really needs a um, a, a, a new kind of lease on what it is and what it means and um, how it is a way of life for millions and millions of people. Mhm. I like that. I I I I educated a lot of
1: people as I was going through divorce because people would often say, "I feel sorry for you," or um or they would come up to me and give me advice based on their own horrible marriages that they've decided to stick it stick it out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I <laughs> People saying, oh, you know, our marriage is horrible, but, you know, we've just decided to sort of live parallel lives. It's really working for me. And I say, great, but, you know, that wouldn't work for me. And I am not you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's this same woman told me that at 40 I was probably going to get fat like she did and (laughs) that my children were going to hate camp like hers did. I mean, that's not how we we live life. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, so I educated people who said, "I'm so sorry, you're divorced," and I would say, um, "Can I tell you what my, you know, what I need to hear, or like, you know, how would you like to hear how I feel about my divorce?" And um, because I felt really stuck and trapped for a really long time, and it felt very freeing to be divorced, as complicated and as as difficult as it was, and certainly, you know helping children through the divorce is also hard and we haven't even talked about that um you know i think also the complication of of dating and your children often being at dating age um is is a whole other layer that you have to you know um compassionately deal with uh, with with common sense and with um with with a lot of compassion for your children um and so it's it's many things. You know, your children can can be very traumatized by divorce, or they can look at you and say, what took you so long? And that happens mm-hmm. more often than, than most people realize. Um, that was my biggest fear of what would happen to my children, and I think that's many people's biggest fears. And um, I had a lawyer who I consulted probably, I'd say, seven years before I actually got divorced, when I couldn't take it anymore and I I spoke to her and she said to me, If you can if you can stick it out until your youngest is out of high school then I advise you to do that because divorce is just it wreaks havoc on children and you will be doing your children such a disservice. And she freaked me out. And then hmm. when I Yeah, so I I and then I just got to a point where I said, I don't care what she said, I can't live like this anymore And I I contacted her, and I said, you know, that was really terrible advice um, that you gave me, and I just want you to know. Good for you. Yeah, and she now became a mediator. I think she gets it now, but she had witnessed, like, the most awful divorces with terrible custody cases, and just it's like with a doctor who sees the worst-case scenario with breast cancer, for example, and you get a diagnosis, they want you to immediately have a double mastectomy because they've seen the worst case scenario that doesn't mean it's going to happen to you that doesn't mean every case is the same um and you do have to you do have to do what's best for you in the end at the same time i do think a lot of people get divorced for the wrong reasons um so can we talk for a few minutes about that like why um in your opinion like some of the wrong reasons that people get divorced
0: that's a really really good question um I think that um wrong reasons to get divorced are um thinking about it during a, a rough patch. Um all couples go through rough patches, dry patches, disconnected patches even in good relationships. And so to, you know, to kind of act on ending your marriage when, you know, this is something you might want to ride the wave of, um, you know, is a big mistake. Um, Mm -hmm. I also think that a wrong reason to be divorced is to leave your marriage for somebody else. um, Because you really, if you want to leave your marriage, you have to leave your marriage for you, not for somebody else. Um, and be really clear about why you are leaving. And when I see clients who are having affairs and are thinking about leaving their marriages, what I always advise them is to stop what they're doing, stop the other relationship, focus on the marriage, and see if without this other person in the picture, can they you know, infuse some new life into the marriage. So, you know, that's always a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. You know, allowing um, outside pressures to to push you toward divorce. Um, you know, your parents don't like your partner or your, um, you know, or, or, or you have, you know, external um, pressures from other places. Um, you really have to hunker down and, you know, look at the marriage as your fortress and try to figure out, how you can fix whatever is not working because divorce is life changing and you cannot enter it lightly because it will shake up your life on every conceivable level. And you better be really sure that this is what you want because um, if you're not a hundred percent sure then, and nobody gets to a hundred percent because it's not that kind of decision but um you better be pretty close to that um uh, before you pull the plug on your marriage because your life is about to change exponentially um and so that's those are the times i think that um that it's you know not a good idea to to, to end the marriage mhm uh, and and they're very good
1: good points and i think a lot of people do bail when there's a rough fetch. um there's tons of affairs and people people continue to stay married and have affairs with with many people and you bring up a case in your book about someone who felt guilty because she felt that she wasn't such a good partner either so how how could she you know really make her marriage work um Mm -hmm. it's it's um it's it's complex um there's so much more to say and this has been a very informative hour i really appreciate you being on the show um so um if you can just give a shout out to whatever you'd like our audience to know about how to get in touch with you and um and um any parting words that you'd like to leave our audience with would be very appreciated.
0: Oh, well, I I love hearing from people. In fact, I just met a woman this morning who had read my book and was just, you know, telling me how much it had helped her and really that is all I want to hear that, you know, the book has helped people through this particularly difficult time in their lives. Um I can be contacted by email at info at Abbyrodman dot com. I'm on Facebook at Abby Rodman L I C S W. I'm on Twitter at Abby Rodman, and I really love to get feedback and get ideas about what people are thinking about. Um especially when they're things that I haven't thought of and, and readers and, and audience members are great for that stuff. Um, I have an ebook that is being published in the next few weeks um, on a similar topic. It's called From Bitter to Better, Seven Steps to Surviving the uh, Divorce You Didn't Want. So that will hopefully resonate with people who've gotten divorced or getting divorced and it's one they really don't want but it's really words of hope on how to move on from um from a situation that that you really really didn't want to be a part of in the first place so i know that's a lot but um (laughs) i hope it's helpful to people and i really appreciate you having me on the show sandy
1: My pleasure, Abby. Thank you so much, and um, everybody should reach out and um, contact you for more information. And um, thank you all for listening in today, and I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.